And so tonight, you get to hear from not just a senior pastor, you get to hear from someone who really loves and believes in you guys. And so I want to encourage you to lean forward, to sit up, to take notes, and I want you to honor our senior pastor. Can you give it up for Pastor Steve Murray as he comes to preach tonight? She's my terrified. was that man spaghetti I love spaghetti my favorite story about spaghetti I have two favorite stories about spaghettis when I was a youth pastor Taylor mentioned that just a second ago we had this competition who could slurp the most spaghetti noodles down and uh, so we had bowls in front of each of these all these guys and there was this one dude that was kind of creepy he was this creepy kid, and this kid was the smallest kid of all the ones in the competition, and he was sucking down spaghetti like nobody's business, and all of a sudden, he got so full that he started to cough, and I thought, oh, he's going to throw up. He's going to throw up, and there's this gal that was the judge, and she was making sure they were doing all right, and she's getting down their face going, go, 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 and all of a sudden, he coughs. And this spaghetti noodle flies out of the back of his throat and hits her right on the face and sticks on her cheek. It was awesome. It was fantastic. Better spaghetti story. Taylor. Taylor. You may have heard this story before. But one time when Taylor was a little baby, actually when Taylor was a baby, he had this issue with projectile vomiting. And so when he would vomit... It would come out of the back of his throat and come straight out. It wouldn't touch his cheeks, his tongue, or nothing. It'd just go out like a fire hose and go like that. He could throw up from the back seat all the way to the front seat. Back in those days, you could put car seats, you know, facing forward, and he would sit forward and as a baby, and he would projectile at one years old all the way over the front seat. Anyway, one time we were going out to dinner. We're driving up to Linwood from down here all the way up to Linwood, and so we decided we're going to feed Taylor in the car. So we feed him spaghetti. And so we're, we're spoon-feeding him all the way up to Linwood. And as I'm driving, my wife is feeding Taylor like this. And we get up to Linwood, and the restaurant's packed out in the lobby. We're waiting for our, our opportunity to get seated. And all of a sudden, Taylor gets this look on his eyes, and he goes, his eyes go, like that, and I go, oh no, he's going to throw up, and I put my hand up like this, and as I did, he, he vomited right into my hand, and it sprayed like a big fan all over everybody around us, right? It was horrible. The ladies were freaking out and everything, but it got all over me, all over my hair, down my shirt, all that, all that. I take him into the bathroom. People are screaming in the lobby. My wife is freaking out. She's going, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And this one lady's going, it's on my shoe. It's on my shit. It's on my foot. It's on my foot. Oh, get it off. Get it off. And it was red. It was everywhere. It was spaghetti. I go into the bathroom. My shirt's soaked. I take off a sweater. take off my shirt. I'm trying to wipe myself off. And my wife comes to the thing. She goes, are you okay? I go, I, we got to go. I'm, I'm covered. He's covered. I got vomit in my pockets. Everything's full. And she says, no, no, no. We've come all the way up here. We're going to eat here. I'm going to go get you a shirt. She comes back and brings a waitress dress. I mean, a waitress blouse with big puffy sleeves and tied on the side, ruffles down the front, only buttons up to about right here. And so I put that on and I walk out. I'm just so embarrassed. 
But she says, we're not going anywhere. So we sat and ate the whole thing right there. That's my spaghetti story. Let's give it up for Taylor Murray. His nickname is The Throat because he could vomit right out from the back of his throat, and then he could eat corn dogs with one bite. So anyway, but I want to say thank you to Taylor and Noel who have built an amazing youth ministry. You guys are on fire. You guys have great leaders. Man, what I saw up here today, fantastic. Uh, and that's because of great leaders like Taylor and Noel. So great job, guys. You guys have built something amazing. It's awesome. So I want to talk to you guys about uh, some things about this new year. Uh, the way that we look at our homes, we consider where we live, our family, right? And whether you have a dysfunctional family or a really functional family, a happy family, a sad family, a family that's hard to live with or a family that's really fun to be with, either way, it's a family. And you're a part of that family. And when you come here, you're a part of a family. This is the UD family. And uh, as we go into the new year, we want to really start to envision something. We want to start envisioning moving our family forward at home. And we want to envision moving this into a family going forward as UD family. And the reason I say this is because family is really where people get healed. Family is where people feel whole. Family is where people find their identity. Family is where people find uh, a place of safety. If uh, Everybody longs for family. It's God's design to be a part of a family. And this is why gangs are formed. And even though they're, they're, gangs are not healthy and gangs do bad things and gangs cause all kinds of problems, it's still a family. They cover each other. They get each other's backs. And, uh, and so, so they kind of form a family. Even though it's a dysfunctional family, it's still a family. But what if we could create a family, a UD family, or a family at home, that when we bring our friends over, or when we bring our friends to UD, if they're going through a tough season, a tough patch of life, if they're questioning their own self-worth, or their, their own value, or they're feeling bad, or they're just not doing well at all, um, what would happen... If you just brought them here, and they met the right people, heard the right message, sang the right song at the right time, and it turned them around. This is the idea of what, what a healthy community or a healthy church or a healthy youth ministry is all about. It's not a place to compete. It's not a place to put down. It's not a place to gossip. It's not a place to, to make people feel small. It's a place to make people feel big. And it's a place, if you're sick, you're going to get healed. And if you're hopeless, you're going to find hope. If you, if you haven't had fun and you haven't had friends, you're going to find some. And so that's what, that's what the UD family is all about. And you are a part of that family. And, and you know, I wrote down a few things because, um, you know, there are some things that I would call rules of life. As you grow up as a child, you grow up with rules. And so, like, one of the first rules you learn is that you obey mommy and daddy. If you don't, there's going to be consequences, right? And as a child, you learn to look both ways before you cross the street. Actually, before you even learn that, you don't cross the street. That's the rule, right? You don't go out in the front yard without your parents' permission when you're little. But as you get older, the rules change a little bit. And they evolve. And so the rule is, be home by 10 o'clock. 
or be home by 9 o'clock or be home by midnight or whatever the rule is. You, the rules change as you get older, but you got these rules. And rules are cool because rules help keep people healthy and safe. So rules are good, but there's a couple of different kinds of rules. There's the rules that are enforced over you or are given to you without any choosing of your own. The rules that your parents give you, the rules the police give you, the rules that the law gives you, the government gives you these rules. And you have to follow the rules or else there's going to be consequences, some more severely than others. And so that's one kind of rule. And then there's another kind of rule. There's the kind of rule that you create for yourself. And tonight, I want to give you some life rules that I have for myself and that our family has for ourselves. And that if you adopt this as a UD family, and if you adopt this in your own personal family, man, you'll see your families move forward. Great things will happen, okay? Um, I remember when Taylor was little, he used to... uh, he used to follow all the rules. And he was uh, kind of like the rule follower. In the family. He's still the rule follower. Okay? He likes to follow rules. Okay? And uh, he likes to make up rules, too. And uh, he invents rules. I mean, he's really good at it. I mean, he loves rules. And so when, but his brothers were really good at breaking rules. They were experts at breaking rules. And, uh, but not Taylor. And one day, Taylor was at school over at Tahoma High School. And uh, he got in trouble. And he got detention. I think it was Saturday school, wasn't it? And, we, and so I had to go. I think, I, I think he either he brought home a slip or I had to go to the school or something. But I looked at the slip and I read it. And I go, you got Saturday school for throwing a carrot? <laughs> he threw a carrot in the lunchroom. And there was a rule that said, no throwing food in the lunchroom. No food fights. And he threw a carrot and got Saturday school. I was so excited. I, 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 I told his brothers, hey, get in the car. We're going out. We're going to go have ice cream. Why? Why are we going to have ice cream? We're celebrating. Taylor broke a rule. He finally got in trouble. So we were celebrating. After that, he started breaking them on a regular basis. But we won't talk about that. No. No, but, uh, but rules sometimes are the ones that you set, and sometimes other people set. I'm going to talk to you about the stuff that you set. There was a day when Taylor got older, when he was 17 years old, and he had been following the rule of a 10 o'clock curfew or 11 o'clock curfew, I forget what it was. And um, we sat down with him, and we said, we, we're, not, we're going to change your curfew. He said, what's it going to be? And he says, it's going to be whatever you said it to be. You can come home whenever you want. You're 17 years old, and a year from now, you could could be gone from here, where you'll be deciding when you come home. All we ask is that you respect us. Let us know where you're at. Tell us when you're going to come home. So we're not worried about where you're at or anything like that. Just tell us. And so he... He had a hard time with that at first because he was like, uh, can I go out to the... 
Either. You don't have to ask us. You're free to do what you want to do. You've earned our trust. You've gotten good grades. You've been responsible with the car. You've been responsible with this. You've been responsible with that. You're, you're free to set your own rule. Now, I, wouldn't, I didn't give that same freedom to the other guys when they were 17. And why was that? They hadn't, they hadn't followed the rules that were given to them, so they weren't ready to make their own rules yet. And so I want to show you how to look at God in a different way. First of all, I want to show you this wire. See this wire? So I like to wire sculpt. And so I, if, you, if you look around the church, sometimes you'll see stuff made out of wire. You might see some people hanging around outside made out of wire. And uh, you see a cross out there that has wire in it. Made that thing with some guys. So I like to make stuff with wire. Big wire even. Big metal. I like to make sense. So like the chandelier, that type of thing, we moved that and bent that. We turned it all around to make a cool chandelier. And so with this wire, you can make stuff, right? So if I wanted to make a guy, I would make his head like this. That's the beginning of making a little guy, okay? I'll probably make it before the end of the night tonight. So this wire, though, was originally created and made to work in an electrical plant. And it's used for a ground. And so if you don't use this wire correctly in the electrical plant or with the, working with machinery, if it's not hooked up right, the machine won't work right, or the building won't work right, or somebody could get really hurt, something could blow up, it could be wrong, something bad could happen. Because in those applications, there's a right way of doing it. When you look at this wire as it only being used for one way or the right way, you miss out on what could be with this wire. When I saw it, I saw electrical wire that could be shaped into something that would be artistic. Now, here's how you want to look at God. When you look at God, you can look at God as there is a right way and a wrong way to view God. And if you don't hook it up right, if you don't handle God right, he's going to zap you or something's going to break. Or you can look at the life that God has given you, and you can look at God, and instead of looking at it as a right or wrong God, you start looking at God as someone who is co-creating with you, and you are shaping with God what your life looks like. If you look at God as being the one that says there's only one thing he wants you to do, there's a right thing he wants you to do. There's only one thing he wants you to do. There's only one thing he wants you to be. There's only, you have to be perfect when it comes to God or else he's going to zap you. If you look at God that way, you will never shape into being all that you could be. But when you begin to look at God 
as something, as someone who helps you shape your life and builds something out of your existence, your life will go much better. So instead of following just the rules that are imposed on you, you start looking at God as, what could we build together, God? And when you do that, you begin to set your own rules. You start creating your own rules. So I'm going to give you the seven rules real quick that I think you should look at and ask yourself, would one of these seven rules be good for you? Write down one of them. When I get to the one that really sticks to you, just put a little circle around it, a little star to it, until you find the one. I'm not asking you to, to obey these rules. I'm asking you to consider making them your own rules. If there's something that resonates with you here, maybe it'll be helpful. So when you're talking about making rules for your life, it's helpful to start with a scripture. And I have a scripture I want to pull up here. It's in Mark. Can we pull that up? There it is. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is a mindset that these rules come out of. This ru- rule, these rules come out of is that, hey, this life that Jesus came to give, he didn't give his life so that he could be served. He came so that he could serve you. He laid his life down for you. And so if you start th- these rules with this mindset that we want to follow Christ, then Let's keep that up there for a little bit. In fact, let's just leave it up there, can we? Can we do that? Because I'm going to refer back to it. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. He didn't come to be the center of attention. He came to make you the center of his attention. Okay? And so, that's the mindset that we're going to go. That's the foundation of these rules that I have. The first rule, if you want to write them down, the first rule that I would encourage you to consider, it is not about me. It is not about me. But it is about me making my family better. But when it's about you, it looks like this. What you want is king. Where you want to go, where you want to eat, what you want to do, where you want to go with your parents, where you don't want to go with your parents, that becomes the most important rule of your life. And if the most important rule of your life is you first then it throws the whole family into dysfunction. And if you D, family, it's all about you first. It's about you getting up on the stage and getting a microphone and being in the spotlight. You're going to throw the whole UD thing out. People are going to push back against you. They're going to feel it. They're not going to like it. And so the first rule of life we want to adopt, I think, is to follow Jesus in in the sense that we're not here to serve. I mean, to, to be served. We're here to serve. Our parents aren't here to serve us. We're here to serve our parents because now we're at the age where we have something to add value to this family. And so uh, I remember when Taylor was learning how to skate. He loved to do inline skating and uh, rollerblade and, and stuff like that. We'd take him down to the, the skate parks and we'd go on vacation and go to different places and stuff like that. And uh, I remember in our backyard, we had it all. The grass was out there and everything it looked good and everything. And Taylor was skating and I thought, you know, we really should put a half pipe out there so him and his friends can skate. And my wife says, oh, 
it's going to take up a lot of room back there, and the grass is there, and, and, all, and she's going through those. I go, you know what? It's not about us. We only have these kids for a certain amount of time. Let's do this. So we built this half pipe. Taylor and I worked on it together. We built it. His friends came over. They enjoyed it until a tree crashed it into it. But it was awesome. But the reason that that happened is because we had this rule that says it's not about me. And so, so one of the things that I would say, if, if your family's fighting a lot, there's probably somebody that thinks that everything evolves around them. That they should have the food that they want, or they should have the movie they want to watch, or they should have the stuff that they want, or the money they want, or they, they should have the time that they want, or the non-time that they want. They, they, they have something that they want that's more important to them than what everybody else needs or wants. Okay? So, if we're going to have a healthy UD family, you got to come in here and say, hey, it's not about me. You know, I want to get, sure, I want to hear, I want to sing, I want to laugh, I want to meet friends, I want to get something, I want to eat some spaghetti, all that kind of stuff. But bottom line is, you're not just here for you. The people that get the most out of the UD family and the ones that feel the most connected are the ones that come in and say, I'm here to serve, not here to be served. Now, some of us, we only know what it's like to be served. We come to UD and everybody runs around, all the leaders serve us, so we have a great time. But we've never set up a chair, we've never cleaned up, we've never vacuumed, we've never cleaned anything off or nothing. Why? Because it's all about you. So we need to shift that. If we're going to move forward at home or in UD, we want to have an attitude, it's not about me. And guess what? When it's not about you, you get way more, which is really cool. Um, I remember when my dad was in his last days. He was 97 years old. He passed away this year. And we were sitting down having something to eat, and he was, he was eating, and he couldn't put the spoon all the way into his mouth by himself. And I looked at his hands and how wrinkled they were. I could see his veins. I could see his bones. And I saw him trying to put that spoon into his mouth. And I was so uncomfortable because food would drop down onto his, onto his shirt. I'd have to wipe off his shirt for him like I used to do with my son. And all of a sudden, it, all of a sudden this thought came to my mind. I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. I'm so uncomfortable. And then my rule popped up in my mind. It's not about you. It's about the man that raised you, who gave birth to you, or didn't give birth, but he was on the propagating side of it, right? But he's the one. He's the reason you're here. And there's a lot of him in you. It's not about you. Number two, being a brother or a sister is a role we play. Keep in mind, if you are a brother or you are a sister, you have a role to play. If you don't have a brother or sister at home, you have one here. This is what we do. This is our family. These are your brothers and your sisters. And as a brother and a sister, we have a role to play. As an older brother or an older sister, we have a role to play for our younger brothers and sisters in this place and at home. In the, our families, our cousins, 
You, are, you have a role to play. And guess what? You're either winning at that or you're not. And so what you want to do is you want to take that role serious and you say, I have a role to play. My rule is I fulfill my role. I'm a son of my mom. I'm a daughter of my dad. And, and that's the role that I play. With my brothers and sisters, I have a role to play. And if they were to grade me, what would they grade me? Would they call me a jerk or, you know, what would they call you? Would they call you, man, I look up to my brother. I look up to my sister. I want to be like them someday. Or are they saying, hope they get out of this house as fast as possible. So you have a role to play. So a rule of life is you do your rule. Role. You're a son, man. Sons make their fathers proud. Taylor makes me proud. When I see him up here leading this thing, makes me proud. Some of you guys, I've seen you running around here doing the stuff that you do, and if your parents saw you doing it, they would think they would be proud. They'd be so proud of you. Going off to the Dream Center, proud of you. Worshiping God, proud of you. Coming to church, learning about the things of God, giving in the, in the things of God, serving, doing all that kind of stuff. They're proud of you. If, if you look at your parents and you look at how they look at you, would they say they're proud of you? Or are they, are they going, I don't know what we're going to do about my daughter or my son. Guys, don't wait until a rule or a law gets enforced on you. Set up your own rule. You have a role to play. Number three, we add value everywhere. This is a rule that we want to adapt. Stop. Some people take everywhere they go. They don't add much value. But we are Christians. And the Bible says that everywhere the disciples went, lives were changed. In fact, one place, it says that they turned the world upside down. Guys, if we're going to be people that have rules, we should definitely have this rule that says, we add value everywhere we go. When you show up at a party, do you bring anything? You help clean up? You walk around this place, you see everybody running around, having a good time and all that. What if you added some value, straightened up a few chairs, picked up a few, little bit of garbage without somebody telling you to, without somebody making you? You're adding value everywhere you go. You know, there's, there is something that's really amazing when a kid, like well, there would be times... One of Taylor's jobs was to mow the lawn. He'd mow the front lawn and the back lawn, and, and, uh, and he did a really good job of it. He was really good. But that was his job, and if he didn't do his job, he, I would reinforce that. Sometimes I'd come home, and he had mowed the lawn without even being asked. He was adding value. He was moving from an, a rule that was being enforced upon him to being a kid that was creating his own rules. The lawn needs to be mowed. I'm going to go mow it. Sometimes when Cameron, when Cameron was the last to leave our house, I'd come home, and sometimes the garage would be rearranged. Sometimes he would, he would uh, clean up the backyard. Sometimes he'd do all the dishes, and he'd do all the laundry. Then he would wipe down the floors and stuff like that. What was he doing? He was adding value. He wasn't asked to do it. When I'd ask him to do stuff, he'd do it, but that didn't feel as good as when I came home. And they had added some value without even being asked. Why? Because it was their own rule. What is your rule? 
What rule have you created for yourself to make this world better, to make your family better at home, to make your UD family better? Want another rule? Number four, saying sorry is not optional. Saying sorry is not optional. Oh, man, there was times I got so upset with the kids as they're growing up, and I would raise my voice, be kind of forceful with my voice or something, and I, I could see one of my kids, you know, kind of shrinking down, feeling a little bit smaller, sheepish. And I realized that hurt their heart. Hey, does anybody here know what that's like? You know what that's like? Yeah, a bunch of you. You know what it's like to have an adult when you're young kind of get in your stuff, get in your face, make you feel small? A couple times that happened, I realized I'd crossed the line. I would sit down next to their bed, kneel next to their bed, and say, hey, Taylor, hey, Shelby, hey, Cameron, I just want you to know I'm really sorry for how I just talked to you. They go, it's okay, Dad, it's okay. I go, no, it's not okay. Nobody should ever talk to you that way, not even me. I, I want you to forgive me. Will you forgive me? And they'd say, yeah, forgive me. Okay. We need to get better at this. What did that sorry do? It took a heart and kept it from being closed, and it opened it back up again. Some of us need to say sorry to our parents. Some of us need to say sorry to somebody in this room. Some of us need to say they're sorry to a friend. But saying sorry is a rule that I have. When I know I've crossed the line, when I've said something or done something that hurts somebody else or inconveniences somebody or puts me at the center of the universe, I have to go back and say I'm sorry. It's a rule. It's my rule. Nobody enforces it. Nobody makes me. But it's a rule. Why? Because I'm following the one that says he gave his life for others. Not so that he could be served, but so that he could serve others. And when you say you're sorry, you're serving others. You're keeping their heart fresh. You're keeping their heart alive. You're keeping them from getting damaged. And so, guys, I, I think if you look through the, your relationships, you might have to ask yourself, is there somebody I need to say sorry to? Let me give you a fifth rule. We remind those who raise us what's working. So in other words, the people who raise you, your mom, your dad, some of you an older sibling, an aunt or an uncle, a grandparent, whoever raised you, might be multiples of people. It could be a lot of people in your life that are helping raise you. It could even be the leaders in this place right here in the UD family. There's people raising you up in the Lord right now. But when you have people pouring into your life, your parents will spend tens of thousands of dollars, even hundreds of thousands of dollars before you leave the house on you. Every week, they work so that you can eat, so that you can have a warm place to stay, and so that you can have a life some of us, 
We have a better life than others. It's just the way it is. But nonetheless, even the worst life here is the best life in some other places around the world. And so what I would say is, is if people are pouring into your life, you should let them know what's working. Let them know what they said or did that you appreciate it. Let me read you something that I just got this week. This is somebody that, that some of our staff has poured their lives into. And they just say, he sent me at 2 in the morning, sent me this note. He doesn't go to our church anymore. He's, he's uh, went through, grew up in UD and uh, was a part of our young adults and different things. And he says, hey, I know it's late, but I just got home from work and wanted to message you before I forgot. I wanted to thank you and RLC for their role in my journey to where I am now. I know I've been critical and kind of an a-hole sometimes to you guys at the church, but now that I'm more level-headed, I want to apologize for all of that attitude that I had, and at the same time, thank you guys. I'm in a spot where I'm genuinely happy and optimistic about my future at the core of who I am. And I've never felt that way as long as I can remember. So I'm not sure if you genuinely care, but I hope hearing it encourages you and everyone at the church to keep up doing a good work because even if some kid like me doesn't appreciate or understand it at the time, you guys still make a good difference in their lives. Who knows? Maybe there's some kid at Real Life Church who's just like me, and you guys are keeping his head afloat through his troubles like I had. That would be so awesome. It's pretty powerful, isn't it? What did he do? Oh, man, he just filled my heart, filled some of our leaders' hearts, Taylor, Noel, and one of our guys that works on our staff here. Went from feeling about this high to feeling about this high. Why? Because they go, oh, it was worth it. And sometimes your parents wonder, is my kid even appreciative of anything I've given them? They don't know because they don't hear it. Because we take them for granted. And and some of our leaders here pour out hours and hours and hours and hours a month. every, Every week and every month are doing stuff and they're helping giving you ideas for devotions and how to make your family better and how to solve your problems with your boyfriend or your girlfriend and solving problems with your, your parents and, and all these kinds of things, and they're coaching you on it. And now say it like this. Hey, let's pray together and start this 21-day devotional and all this kind of stuff. And right now, you can start to see where some of those things are working in your life. Tell them that it's working. Tell them that you're hearing. Tell them that you're listening. So we don't forget the people that gave something to us. We always want to give back. Okay, I'm going to quickly go through these last two. This is a, this is a rule, and sometimes I break this rule, and I'm not happy when I do, so I have to apologize. But we never use words that shame or make people feel small. You know what it's like to feel small? I do. When I was in high school, we'd have to line up for P.E. in this roll call thing, and we'd have to wear a certain uniform back in the day. I don't know if they'd still do that anymore. I doubt it. 
But we had locker rooms for a real reason. And uh, because we had to change. We had to, we had to take showers. We had to do all that kind of stuff. And these guys, this one guy would come up to me. I'd be sitting there, standing there, waiting for my name to be called. And this guy would walk up to me and stick his face right in my face. And he would go, hit me, Murray. Hit me. I dare you. Hit me. And I wanted to hit him so bad. This guy was so much bigger than me, and he was so much stronger than me, but I was ready. I envisioned different ways to connect. You know, I'm just thinking how I'm going to do this, right? And that guy made me feel so small. One day I went out to lunch, and these guys came and surrounded me with these girls, and they took turns spitting on us. They, They were so big. Me and my buddy just sat there, pulled our coats over our heads as they pelted our coats. Now, that might seem kind of funny to some people. Oh, that's gross. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, it's not just gross. It's humiliating. And it made me feel small, and it affected me for a long, long time. Probably still affects me to this day. But those guys were trying to make me feel so small so that they could feel bigger. If anybody ever tries to make you feel small, just know that they feel small. And that's how, that's how they're trying to make up for it, is because they feel so small. Maybe somebody made them feel small. But I would say, I will never be the guy. I don't want to ever be the guy that makes somebody feel small. So in the UD culture, in the UD family, we, make, we lift people up. We pray for them. We encourage them. We say, you can make it. You can do this. And even the people that irritate us, we speak life into those people. Okay? If you don't have anything good to say, then just don't say it. But we don't use words. I had this gal at the same age where these guys were getting in my face, spitting on me and stuff. She walked up to me when the yearbook signing. Nobody ever asked me to sign my yearbook except for some of the buddies that I had. This gal came up to me, one of the coolest gals I've ever known. She said, could I sign your yearbook? And I said, sure. And she writes in it. She goes, Steve, I just want you to know, I know you sleep all the way through history. But I just want you to know, I think you're going to do something great in this world. I really believe that when you get out of school, something really beautiful is going to take place. Right. Soon after that, I found Jesus. Soon after that, I became a Christian, made a decision to be a youth pastor. Now we're running this church, and UD would not be here if it wasn't somebody like her writing into my annual and telling me that. Last rule, and then we've got to go. Last rule. We... Or just think about this, the power of this. You, as an individual, have the power to make somebody feel so much better about themselves that they could go out and start the next church. You could build somebody up so high that something powerful could happen in their lives, or they could wind up in rehab. They could wind up with an addiction. They could wind up in early death because they feel so bad about themselves. But with you having this rule, 
I make people feel big when they leave my presence. It's a powerful thing. Last rule. We don't get butt hurt. It's a rule. If you're going to be, especially in a family, if you're going to allow what somebody did that hurt your feelings to stay with you, you're not following the example of Christ. Christ laid his life down for others. He came to serve, not to be served. And part of that serving includes releasing the hurts and the offenses of other people. You may be here tonight and you might be carrying a wound from something somebody said to you. And I would say let it go. Don't get butt hurt. Just forgive. Release it. Because when you allow bitterness to come into your soul, it interferes with you being a great family member. It interferes with you connecting with friends. It interferes with you being able to relate to people and people being able to relate to you. We take on the attitude that when the world owes me something and when they don't give it to me, the world needs to treat me this way or people need to treat me this way or else I'm going to be hurt and wounded walk around here feeling all bad as a victim. That's a dangerous position to be in, guys. I guarantee you people are going to say things that hurt you. They're going to do things that hurt you. And you can carry it around that all your life if you want. But if you let God deal with your heart, you forgive people. Forgive them. Oh, you'll always remember it. And you might not trust them anymore, but you still forgive them. So you don't keep a wound open inside of you. Does that make sense? So let's make a decision that around here, if somebody hurts our feelings, somebody does something, that we just let it go. We release it. We might have to talk to them if we need to, but if if you hang on to it, it's going to be hurtful. The day that my dad died, it took about two weeks to deal with his funeral plans and all those kinds of things, and I wasn't around the church very much. And even when I was, I wasn't all there because I was thinking about my dad dying at 97 years old and as a man that's 59 years old now, thinking I I had 59 years with my dad, knowing him longer than anybody. All that was going through my mind. I walk into church one day. I walk down this row thinking about my dad. All these people are wanting to talk and stuff like that. But I'm thinking about my dad. I'm not even really seeing anybody. I'm just kind of walking. And this guy made eye contact with me. I didn't know he did, but he did. And I kept on going. I went out there, and he sent me a letter telling me how rude I was for just ignoring him and how he's thinking about leaving the church and different things along those lines. And I thought, oh, my gosh. I don't ever remember even seeing him. And he's that angry with me. And all I was doing was thinking about my dad. Sometimes there's people in your life, they're thinking about stuff going on at home and in their world. And they treat you in a way that hurts you. You don't realize they've been hurt. Hurt people hurt people. And sometimes hurt people don't see people. And they don't say things that are perfect. All I want to say to you is 
somebody hurt your feelings, let it go. In the Psalms, you know what it says? It says righteous people, people who do the right thing, aren't easily offended. That's the way you guys are. Make that your rule. So let me read these real quick, and you pick the one that you think is for you. It's not about me. Being a brother or sister is a role that we play. Everywhere we go, we add value. Saying sorry isn't optional. We remind those who raise us what's working. We never use words that shame or make people feel small. We don't get butt hurt. We forgive. What's your rule? Maybe just put a little circle by it. God, I pray for every person in this room. In this new year. May this be a year where we move forward. Where we become a UD family like never before. And God, I pray that every single person that's in this room, if there's something that that is kind of lingering from 2018, that kind of is really gnawing at them or it's really hurtful or really hard to deal with. Lord, I pray that instead of focusing on what's not working, I pray that they would just begin to create their own rules that they can live by so that somebody else doesn't have to come and create them for them. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Guys, thanks for listening today. I hope, I hope, I hope you can move from being one who sees God as I got to do it perfect to being one that sees God as one that's helping you create the rules for your life. But you're the one.